0: Hello and welcome to the 10 to Track. It's our weekly world match previews podcast. And the name says it all. We do 10 mini previews of the best, most intriguing matches in the world. But as we define them, which might not in some cases be the same matches that anyone else would pick who's broadcasting out there. Now, we like first versus second place matches or other important matches from top flight leagues from around the globe. But when I say around the globe, I mean any confederation, any size country. If it's important where it's being played, big or small, there's a good chance Team Noob has it covered. We'll also be doing international club and national team tournament games. Now, I'm your host, Soccer Noob. Joining me, as always, will be my nine-year-old daughter, Persa Hello! And now, let's dive right into the game coverage with... March number one! We'll keep things chronologically oriented, as always... Our first match keeps us right here stateside. The best one from Major League Soccer all this week, in our opinion here, is going to be from the Eastern Conference as number 3 Nashville takes on number 4 NYCFC. You can catch this on ESPN Plus, 7.30 Eastern time for the kickoff. Here's how the table looked at the time we scouted that. There may or may not have been a couple of subtle changes, but I don't think so between the time I scouted it and the time of recording. New England running away with the division at 49 points in the table. Orlando and Nashville tied at 35. And then NYCFC just behind at 34. And then also note because they're down in eighth place and that represents the first spot out of the playoffs is Colorado at 27. So these two teams have a bit of a buffer here at least from the playoff cutoff line. First, let's talk about Nashville. Last year, they finished in seventh place in the East and made it to the conference semifinals. That was their first major league soccer season. This year, top four offense, but where they have really shined, they've got the second best defense going in the league. But speaking of the offense, Top 10 in scoring, CJ Sapong. He is a forward, 32 years old for the team of Ghanaian descent. It's possible, by the way, I should mention that any club teams I mentioned, particularly this here for MLS, that some of these players may not be playing in this match. They may have been called up for their national teams, but you'll have this knowledge going forward for future events, kind of who their stars are. Again, Sapong is a forward, 32 years old. He had his longest career stance up, uh, not here with Nashville. He's new to them, obviously, new club. But uh, he did a lot of time with Kansas City and uh, Philadelphia Union. He started his career, I believe, with Reading over in England, which I believe plays in the championship, the second level. And a really cool side note about him is he has started a charitable organization called Sacred Seeds, uh, which helps uh, underserved populations uh, be more self-sustaining within their communities, a lot of planning and gardening and the equipment and what all that goes with that. Now, tied for second-best in assists in all of Major League Soccer, there's the boast of is also Haney Mukhtar. He is a German midfielder. Spent a whole bunch of time with Brondby over in Denmark. I think this would be probably a lateral move. His father is Sudanese, but he repped for Germany at the youth level. He should be available for this game. I don't believe that he is with their senior team. And surprise, surprise, they have the number one goalkeeper statistically in the whole league and yet he's not taking part in qualifying for the World Cup for the national team. Leading the league in green, uh, in clean sheets is Joe Willis. He had 90 appearances with Houston before he got to either uh, let go and made available for the draft or got traded over here to Expansion Nashville last year. Now, the team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three. On the whole season, very, very interesting. They've only got two losses, fewer than anybody else but they've got an astounding 11 draws on the season. I don't think anybody else is close in that category either. It's hard to take too much from that directly in how they play because most of their draws have either been nil-nil or 2-2. Two, two. Ultimately, looking at the team across the board, how they've made up, they are probably going to be a little bit more defensively oriented and try to control the pace that direction at home. Coming to town, New York City FC, they are owned by City Football Group, which owns the Yankees and Manchester City. So if you are like your teams uh, loaded with lots and lots of money and not necessarily working class, this is the bunch for you. It's a fairly new team as well. They're only in their sixth major league season. Last year they finished in fifth place, and they were out in the first round of the playoffs. This year, statistically, they are getting it done. Second-best offense, Number one defense and goal differential, which is particularly surprising. Remember, it's actually the New England Revolution that are leading the division by quite a lot. And yet here's NYCFC even better statistically in other ways. I think they're the one team that if New England somehow collapses, I think it'll be NYCFC that ends up winning things. In any case, uh, they also have an advantage as far as the table goes that they have played uh, I believe two fewer matches than all the teams around them there at the top of the Eastern Conference table. Players that you want to keep an eye out for should you watch this one. Top 10 league scorer, Valentin Castellanos. He's a very young guy, 22 years old. Argentinian forward, just signed a five year deal with NYC. And then in second place on assists for the entire league, on the other end of the soccer age spectrum, a little longer in the tooth. Also Argentinian, 34 years old, attacking midfielder. Maximiliano Morales, who uh, spent the greatest amount of time in his career over in Serie A with an excellent, usually top-four club, Atlanta. Their current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three, just had a very impressive 2-0 win at home over New England, and that one loss in there was to a very good Philadelphia team, and that was their first loss since all the way back in late July. As far as on my thoughts on how this is going to go, They've got 11 draws already. They're at home. It's Nashville. It's hard to see this as anything but a draw. Match number B. Thank you for reminding us, daughter Dearest, that number two, it's simply bathroom talk. I mean, it sounds awful just hearing me say it, does it not? Join us in our quiet revolution to replace that phrase with number B, 1B, three, four, five, and so on. And in any case, your match number B takes us to Saturday on the calendar, and we are headed to Jamaica, where the top flight is called the National Premier League. Uh, Most folks would rate it number eight in CONCACAF. It's just behind the Dominican Republic for a lot of us. Some people haven't switched around. But in any case, the top six teams... Are going from the first phase, kind of the regular season, get to move on to the championship round. And then after the championship round, the top two will get to go straight to the semifinals to battle it out for the actual championship. Also, those top two finishers from the championship round are going to qualify for what is called the Caribbean Club Championship, which is one of two Caribbean. Uh, Tournaments it's more for the professional Teams and leagues there's a secondary one called the Caribbean club shield For the semi-professional and the amateur Teams and leagues and then that is a feeder for the CONCACAF League, which feeds into the CONCACAF Champions League. But those are other stories for other times. Here in this COVID-shortened season, the 11 teams, their first phase is a single-round robin for the regular season. Again, the top six of the championship round, and there they just play a single-round robin. Right now, they are eight matches into the regular season, And your matchup is number B, Mount Pleasant Academy taking on number one. I hope I get the pronunciation right. Veer, V-E-R-E, United, Veer, Well, the two are tied in the table on points. Veer lead by three on goal differential, and then talk about a wide open race so far. There are four more teams just behind them at 13 points in the table, and then two more at 12. So this league is just absolutely up for grabs. And in fact, almost every team in the league already has two losses, and the couple that don't aren't at the table's very top, actually. They've simply had a lot of draws. We'll take a look at the home team first, Mount Pleasant Academy. This is another one I'm not 100% sure how it's said, if it's stush or stoosh, or maybe it's kind of in between. But in any case, that is their nickname. It is sort of an adjective and sometimes a noun, and it means posh or snobbish or somebody who... Uh, has those characteristics Or if it's a little bit more positive It could be classy or stylish And in fact, in fact This club was rather formally known In the past Specifically named as the Stoosh in the Boosh Which is I'm now realizing probably The filthiest sounding thing That I'll ever say on this show Even though it doesn't mean anything filthy at all Also take a look at their crest When you're on the, the Google machine sometime It actually says Stoosh with several H's right in, uh, right on their crest as a logo. It's very cool. In any case, they play out of a township called St. Anne's Bay, of about 15,000. It's in a parish of the same name, north-central part of the country, called the Garden Parish. Also, interesting night, side note, historically, Columbus landed here, and he called it St. Gloria, and he was stranded there. for. I don't think it was the first time he was there, but one of the times he was there, he got stranded for a whole year. But – now it is called St. Anne, which is named for the, uh, the very first wife of King James II. That was Lady Anne Hyde. As far as this region, just to give some perspective, it's no longer the biggest city it once was. Ocho Rios, which to vacationers to this area will probably be much more familiar now, eclipses it. But if you're ever down there and you want a more authentic vacation stay that still has, isn't a big enough township to offer you amenities, and, and, uh, amenities, <laughs> you're going to want to stay at Saint Anne's Bay. Mm. Back to the footy. The club was founded in 2016. They made Division I uh, here at the top flight in 2018. Last year, they were in second place when the season was canceled due to the current pandemic with just four matches to go. This year, taking a look at the stats, it's a little surprising to see them high up as in the table as they are. They've only got the eighth best offense, and even their defense is only average ranked at number five. Their goal differential is dead even. On the scoring leaderboard, the man to look for in the box score, best Kesslin Hall, the club's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three, and impressively, those two wins were road wins. Now looking at Veer United. Uh, Veer used to be the name of the parish that this club is based in. It has now been merged with a couple others into what is called the Clarendon Parish It is directly to the south of St. Anne It runs all the way to the southern coast That direction The capital of this area is actually May Penn So that may be where a lot of their fan base comes from It's the third biggest parish in the country It has about a quarter million people people there Club was founded in 2010 as Jamalco FC, which was one of the two big bauxite mining companies uh, back about a decade ago. This is also a big agricultural area. So if you are familiar with trout hall oranges, somewhat famous from there, that is where they are from. They've just been promoted, re promoted within the last year or two. uh, They got relegated in 2017, 18 this year, the statistics are looking pretty good. The offense Average, but they got the number one defense in the league, and so the number four goal differential all around. All the scoring leaderboard for them, Ricardo Messan. My thoughts on this are, as it does in most sports, defense travels. I believe that number – I'm not sure they're going to win the league, but I believe Veer United will go on the road and get the full three points here for the win.
1: Match number
0: three. We stay on Saturday and we head across the pond to England for the FA Cup qualifying rounds. Most folks over there, and I suppose here, don't really say that the FA Cup has started until you get to the event proper, the group stage. But I think one of the most favorite times to follow is when all these "quote unquote" minnows are still involved. The FA Cup is a knockout tournament that eventually has teams joined from the Premier League, but here in the qualifying rounds you can go all the way down the pyramid of leagues and professionality and ability to level 10 of the pyramid. They allow teams that they're that far down in the amateur ranks to enter. The round that we're in is essentially the third round. They played an extra preliminary round, a preliminary round, and now they call this the first round. Why they can't just count 1, B, 3, 4, 5? It's rather beyond me, but who am I to question? I merely live the noob life. In any case, there are still 64 teams from level nine remaining in the tournament. No level team tens survived both of the first two rounds. There are of course plenty of level eight teams, and now the level seven teams join the event. But The match we're going to look at is one of the nine versus nine teams. They have a random draw. And we're going to talk about Squires Gate FC versus North Shields FC. First, your home team, Squires Gate. I love looking at these, uh, little clubs. We don't really have anything equivalent to that here in the States. They are located in a district called, of, uh, called South Shore of Blackpool in Lancashire County. So in the west, northwest part of the country has maybe 7,000 people. And how popular is soccer? Only 7,000 people. Yet there's two other amateur clubs right there, AFC Blackpool, that's in the same league with them, and then 11, uh, a level 11 clubs say that fast five times also in the area called blackpool ren rovers now they play in a stadium called brian addison just to give you some perspective it's got a capacity of a thousand and i believe this is a record i don't know what year but they had a preseason match with premier league side everton that once drew over 600 people to the stadium so apparently you can always get a really good seat there Twice this team has made the FA Cup second round, which is, of course, the round they're trying to get into now. Most recently they did that in 2004-2005. The league they play in is called the Northwest Counties League Premier Division. This is the best league they've ever been in, and their best finish was in 2015 when they finished in sixth place. Last year when the... uh, All the leagues at these and some other nearby levels got canceled due to COVID. They were only nine games into the season and boy was Squires gate struggling. They were one Oh and eight giving up over three goals per game. And they were in 17th place when the season got cut short this season. It's very early, but they are Oh, three and one struggling on defense again. Well, both sides of the ball, to be honest, two and eight for their goals for versus gold against they advanced through the extra preliminary round by beating a a team from their own league called Ashton Athletic, and then a much better team, I believe also from their same league, another level nine in any case in the preliminary round, they had a real high-scoring affair, and they won 6-4 over Macclesfield FC. Now, North Shields FC coming to town to challenge them. They are known as the Robins. That's a coastal town of about 35,000, probably just under 10 miles north and east of Newcastle. Interestingly, side note, shields, it might now, just because it's so common as a crest shape, but did not originally refer to the armament of a shield. It actually came from an old English word called, I'm going to pronounce it simply shell, S-C-H-E-L-E, which was a word for like a little tiny cabin or a fishing hut. In any case, they've been twice this far in the tournament. Uh, most recently was still quite a while ago 1982 83 they have had some other tournament success in their past though they won something called the F.A. Vaz which is a tournament like the F.A. Cup but strictly for level 9 level 10 teams of the pyramid just back in 2014 15. They play in a league called the Northern league division one. They finished in fourth place last year, or rather that's where they were in the league. They were uh, eight, two and one was their record when it was COVID shortened. And so just excellent defense is what they're playing there this year. More of the same. They are four, three and O oh in their league season. One of just two undefeated teams left in the league. And they have the number one defense going, not letting in much more than one goal. Every other match. They advanced uh, to the extra preliminary round with a 3-1 win over West Auckland Town from their league. And then they had to play another team that I don't know if it was this. No, I do know. It is in my notes from the same league, but a much better team. In the preliminary round, they won 2-1 over Geeseboro. Now, who do I think is going to win? Same as I said before. Defense travel, so I like the visitors. Go Robins, North Shields. I believe they are going to come out victorious. Match number, number four. four. Who does that mysterious voice belong to that joined Person Noob on the countdown sounder? Mmm, getting excited. We'll soon find out. But first, what match are we going to be talking about? Well, we're headed back to CONCACAF, where World Cup qualifying is going on, as it is in virtually all the federations in the world. Is the third and final round of qualification. There are eight men's national teams playing. A double round robin between now and November... The top three will automatically make the World Cup. The fourth-place team, they will have to play what's known as an inter-confederation playoff with a team from, oh, I don't know, Africa or Oceania or somewhere. It is yet to be determined, but that team may get to go as well. In any case, one of the two games that they will play be playing, second-ranked in CONCACAF, is the USA men's national team, and they are going to be taking on number 7, Canada. Now, those rankings are based on... Uh, The July 2020 release rankings Right now, uh, Canada has actually been moving up Getting better and better They're ranked number 5 in CONCACAF And uh, number 59 by FIFA Higher than before Now, by the time you hear this The USA will already have played El Salvador And then Canada will have already played Honduras This match is going to be on FS1 Or if you prefer a Spanish language broadcast TUDN at 8 o'clock Eastern Time kickoff And that's going to be held in Nashville, and now the identity of the mysterious voice holder that is another, none other than our in house prognosticator, the ancient soothsayer Noobstrodamus. Take it away and let us know what you believe or know is going to happen.
1: Greetings from the merciless Thracian plains of Greece. It is I, Noobstradamus... I have come to grace you with soccer knowledge I receive as I touch the universal infinite with mine sacred noggin. Having once again gorged myself on loose, expired prescription pills, I once again travel through space and time. Whee! Darkness lifts and I feel a bitter cold. Springtime in Canada, early 20th century. Having the wisdom of 3,500 years, I'm rarely a moral absolutist, but I feel absolutely fiendish. I look down and find my avatar dressed in all black, with a matching stovetop hat. Itchy itchy, a handlebar mustache. I miss my own flowing white locks and thick silver mustachio. My hands move of their own accord. I stoop over the railroad tracks, tying a young maiden to them. <laughs> Confound it! I see a red-clad horseman in the near distance. Yes, a durned Royal Canadian Mounted Policeman. But haha, he's riding backwards. I know this fool. He tips his hat and climbs down. Before he can assess the situation properly, I cry to him. Help! Dear sir! This sort of knot is so difficult. Since you always help, could you put your finger here and hold the last bit? Of course! I help all citizens in need. It's the Canadian way. Fool indeed. (laughs) I tie his finger into the knot. Trapping the young maiden and mounty alike on the tracks. As the sound of a locomotive whistles in the distance, the vision fades. But what of a soccer score? Blackness engulfs me once again. But before I open my eyes, it comes to mind that the RCMP are 101 years old now. 101. Noob, it's, it's the Canadian way to be somewhat helpful to all. The U.S. and Canadian match will end in a 1-1 draw. I have seen. I have spoken. And I'll save you now. Match number five.
0: You know i had that one spied out from old noobstradamus before he even did the show's catchphrase at the end dudley do right of the mounties yeah canada we get it if you're of an age to get that i'm probably aging myself a bit there i thought it was interesting that he actually had an avatar that was villainous uh for once usually he's on the other side of things snidely whiplash not one of the good guys but at least we got a reasonable sounding prediction for a change i mean it's a rare treat so um gamble responsibly as always or if you're basing your possible activities just on what you hear on this show, maybe not at all. In any case, back to more World Cup qualifying action on Sunday. We're headed over to Europe, where number one Belgium is taking on number 18 in Europe, number 24 worldwide, the Czech Republic. They're having their group stage. It's groups of five or six teams each. They're playing a double round robin. They're just uh, two or three matches in, depending on which team you're looking at so far. Top two finishers from each group are Going to go straight to the World Cup. All the number three teams, plus a couple of uh, Nations League group finishers, that was an event from last year. Any teams that won their group but don't qualify through the World Cup through other means might have a chance to get one of these slots. In any case, here's how things are early in the table for them. I believe the two teams below them have a match in hand, but these are your two best. Belgium has seven points in the group table after three matches. Czech Republic has four points after three matches. They have played a couple of times in the recent years. Uh, Belgium has a 1-1-0 record against them. That draw came earlier this stage, in fact. Czechoslovakia has already hosted Belgium and held them to that 1-1 draw. But this one is going to be in Brussels at the King-Baudouin Stadium. And we'll talk about Belgium first. Known as the Red Devils, they've been outstanding so far in the group stage. 12-2 goal differential. The player at the center of that all, worldwide superstar, uh, Romelu Lukaku He just went to Chelsea uh, from Inter Milan Over in Serie A, Italy But he's been in the Premier League before Done long stints with Everton and Manchester United One of the world's greats Likes to poach quite a bit But you can't just stare at the front of the box When his side is on offense to look from And he also likes to try and score quite a bit From the winger position And he is this team's, his nation's, all-time leading scorer with 64 international goals. At the under end of things, very important, the goalkeeper, that is uh, Thibaut Courtois. He's got 89 national team caps, plays for another world power, Real Madrid. But probably their all-around best player running right now. I might be going on a tiny bit of a limb with Lukaku in there, but keep your eye out on the left side of the midfield for Thorgan Hazard. Plays for Dortmund over in Germany's Bundesliga, and he's really the one that gets uh, helps things in transition, helps everything tick on offense. Now, in 2018, the World Cup was their best finish. They finished number three. Uh, the Euros, their best finish was in 1980 for the European Championships. They finished in second place. This last year, they did very well as well. They finished number five. In the Nations League in 2019, they finished in second place behind Switzerland. Their current form, well, they lost to Italy in the Euros, who went on to win the championship of course. But they had won five straight prior to that, and four of those matches impressively were shutouts. Now, the Czech Republic, definitely, even though they're second place on the table, very much your underdogs here. It's going to be a, a real fight to the finish uh, For second place between them and a couple other teams They are 1-1-1 in the group Have a 74 goal differential They beat Estonia, but lost to Wales Wales is probably your favorite to finish in second place for the group Uh, Tied for first place in group scoring right now Is Tomasz Soszek. Uh, He is a defensive midfielder, oddly enough, but getting in on the offensive late. Plays for West Ham in the Premier League. The most experienced forward they have, and should be leading the way on scoring, is Matei Vidra. He also plays in the Premier League. Uh, Burnley, he's got 39 national team caps, six goals already, I believe, on the early season. And in goal for them, most experienced player internationally on the team is Tomáš He is currently with Olympiakos over in Greek's top flight, the Super League. But he's also done time with a pretty good team, Basel in Switzerland. And then Sevilla, of course, over in Spain. Excellent side. 2006 was the only time this team... Qualified for the World Cup as the Czech Republic Versus when they were Czechoslovakia uh, And they fed, they were uh, comparing records They basically finished in 20th place out of that group stage As far as the European Championships Their best finish was in 1996 They were runners-up That was also the first time they got to go as the Czech Republic 2020, just this last year They uh, made it all the way to the quarterfinals Pretty good And in Nations League They won their group And I believe that they are the fourth-highest-ranked uh, group that uh, is least likely to qualify through other means for the World Cup So f- even finishing in third place behind Wales potentially Which is what I'm predicting They would still have a pretty fair chance at advancing To the next round of qualification Getting to play some of their group's third place team And potentially making the World Cup However, in their last three matches Their form is just 0-1-2 And that, for any first-time listeners, is how Person Noob lets us know in a special way that it's time for us to take a break from tracking the upcoming week's matches and do what we purport to do in our show's name, and that is, namely, track. Yeah, let's have us a recap of last week's featured games. Match number one was a Saturday night match out of Major League Soccer. Number two in the West, Sporting Kansas City, took on number three Colorado Rapids. The result was a 1-1 draw. There was no change in table position for either, either of the teams. Match number B... Was out of Mexico's top flight, Liga MX number B. Leon took on number one, Club de America. It was also a 1 1 draw, and they held on to their positions. Sunday match number three from the American Women's Top Flight, the NWSL. Number three, Washington Spirit, played host to number B, North Carolina Courage, and it was a nil-nil draw. North Carolina stayed where they were in the table, but Washington things are really packed in the table slipped all the way down to number six. Match number four was from Finland's top flight, the Veikkausliiga, where number one HJK took on number two, B KUPS. I almost said it wrong, number B. The result was a 1-1 draw. The teams held their positions. Uh, for KUPS, a person that we said to look for, Erjo Nasila scored. Match number five was from the Dominican Republic's Liga Mayor, number one, Atletico Pantoja, taking on number B, Sebao. And it was a 1-1 draw. The teams had saw no change in their table position. Wednesday, match number six, we went to the UEFA Women's Champions League. Second round, first leg of the uh, first match of the two-legged home and away tie, and it was Osiak from Croatia taking on Breidablik from Iceland, and it was a 1-1 draw. Thursday, match number seven, we went to Concacaf for World Cup qualifying action, El Salvador and the U.S., and the result was a 0-0 draw. Match number eight, more World Cup qualifying action from europe this time uefa and we looked at north macedonia and armenia who amazingly were both up on germany very early on that won't really last the result was a nil nil draw and that allowed Germany to sneak up into second place. North Macedonia is now in third. Match number nine, World Cup qualifying from the AFC Champions League. Third round qualifying action Action specifically as a group stage starts out. And we have South Korea playing host to Iraq. And it was a nil-nil draw. I really thought South Carolina, or South Carolina, listen to me, South Korea was going to win in a blowout. I don't think South Carolina was going to be there at all. But what do I know? I, no, I live a new life. Match number 10. Africa, the CAF World Cup qualifying action, round number two there. We saw number 21 Madagascar playing host to number 18 Benin at the beginning of this particular group stage and it was Benin, the visitors, coming out on top, to mild surprise for me, 0-1. And then we sort of had an 11th match. We did a food segment for this one, but I'll still let you know that number eight in World Cup qualifying for CONMEBOL in South America, Bolivia, took on number five Colombia, and the result was a 1-1 draw and they didn't change positions in the table either and now our three bonus matches with explanation on what these mean exactly coming a little bit later on our route of the week match was a sunday match from Tajikistan's higher league their top flight number one Istiklal took on Number 10 in last place, Cooktosh, and it was a blowout indeed. It's the Claw 171, the most meaningless match of the world, a Saturday match from the Faroe Islands Premier League. Number 607, Vester, taking on number 7, B68, Tofter, and it was a 1-1 draw, no change in the table positions for those meaningless teams. And then finally, the match of Disappointed was a Sunday match from Canada's Premier League, where last place, number 8, Atletico, Ottawa, took on number 7, HF, Wanderers. We had another draw, but at least time this time the score was different. It was 2-2. Two two. They had no change in table positions. A couple players that we said to look for actually did have some success, uh, or at least one uh, for uh, Halifax. Joao Morelli had both of their goals. Uh, interestingly for this one, Atletico, Ottawa, I mean, they're in last place for a reason, but you can't do this. Right at the end of the first half, from four stoppage time, they had a guy get two straight yellows and get kicked out of the game. Uh, they did get the equal from another player that we said to look for. Malcolm Shaw did it on a penalty kick. That concludes our recap of last week's 10 to track. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with...
1: Match number six.
0: More Sunday World Cup qualifying. This time we're headed to CONMEBOL, the South American Confederation. All 10 member countries send their teams in for a double round robin for this every year. The top four automatically make it to the World Cup. The fifth place team will play in an aforementioned intercontinental playoff match for a World Cup berth. At the time that I scouted these matches, each and every one of the national teams had played exactly six. That will have changed by the time that this ends up on the internet, so please bear with a little bit of that delay. Now, the match we're going to be looking at, most folks are probably anticipating, if they know anything about this confederation, that Brazil and Argentina are playing today, and they are in the top two spots in the table. But you know what? It's not uh, where you finish in the table for your world cup qualifying doesn't have a direct effect on where you uh, are going to get seeded, which pot you're going to get thrown into for when they draw the groups for the world cup. So the only thing that matters in winning and losing these games other than, you know, finishing the top four qualifying is maybe the little tiny nudge that you might get in the FIFA world rankings, which could hypothetically move you up into a different pot But Argentina, Brazil—they're already rated number three and six in the world. So, while that'll be a really, really sexy matchup, if you will, number six Paraguay taking on number five Colombia is a lot more meaningful because they're right in the thick of it for that intercontinental playoff spot, or maybe the very last World Cup berth if they can get there. The match is going to be on a streaming service or station that I'm not familiar with, and it's stylized in all capitals the way I saw it: Cara HD, C A R A. HD. You can catch it at 6 p.m. Eastern Time if you can figure out what Cara HD is. I took a gr- brief glance at the internet and did not happen to find it. In any case, the match is going to be in Paraguay at their national stadium called Defensores del Chaco. Colombia, the visitor stadium, they have had the best of it. Uh, the recent games in their series, they have a 5-0-1 record Uruguay and Colombia are actually tied on points in the table. Uruguay must be just a little bit ahead on goal differential and then and they both lead Paraguay by one point. And we'll talk about Paraguay first. They are known as Los Guaranis, which if memory serves, I believe is the name of some sort of indigenous people down there. In any case, they will have played Ecuador and Ecuador is not one of the higher-seeded teams, but, boy, they have been on a run, and that will be a tough match. I believe they're third in the table at the time that I was scouting this particular one. That's who Paraguay will have played between this recording and when you hear it. Now, Paraguay are currently rated number seven out of the ten teams in CONMEBOL In FIFA worldwide, they're rated number 33. The trouble that they have been having has been on offense. They're very near the very bottom for this particular event, tied for eight. But the defense has been top three, very good. They are one, four, and one. The rule for these sorts of events is if you want to qualify, win your home matches, get draws in most of your road matches, and good to go. They've had four draws, and they should probably have three wins by by now if they really want to be serious about getting to the World Cup. And it's not worked out so far. Nevertheless, the offense that they are getting, largely coming at the feet of, tied for number three in event scoring right now, is Angel Romero. He is an Argentinian 29-year-old winger, plays for a pretty good club in San Lorenzo. Actually, spent the bulk of his career with uh, an even better club, Corinthians, over in Brazil, and his twin brother also plays for San Lorenzo. His name is uh, Oscar, and he has uh, the most experience of any of the forwards that they have on the team. So both of those guys are going to be critical. Have really got to step it up. Um, who's been doing better? The defense. Goalkeeper Anthony Silva plays for Puebla in Liga MX, veteran, 32 years old. Just what you're looking for for a net keeper in situations like these. And finally, the team is captained by Gustavo Gomez. He is a cornerback, uh, plays for Corinthians over in Brazil. And we do have a USA connection, nearly forgot. Gaston Jimenez plays for uh, Chicago Fire. He is a defender that has uh, eight national team caps. So I don't know whether or not he's starting for them, but he is definitely on the roster. Now, how have they been doing in recent years? Well, the team didn't qualify for the World Cup in 2014 or 18. They were there in 2010, and that was actually their best ever finish ever. They made the quarterfinals. Their current form, uh, they are 2-0-3 oh, in their last five. Those matches were at the uh, 2021 Copa America, the South American champions. Uh, they went out in the uh, qual- the first round, basically, of the uh, knockout stage, the quarterfinals, with a 5-5 five and five goal differential. Meanwhile, Colombia, your challengers, they will have played Bolivia uh, since, uh, you know, between the time that this is recorded and the time you're hearing it. And they are known as Los uh, Cafeteros, I believe, the coffee growers. It might be Cafeteros. I might have left out a syllable there. In any case, they are considered the number four team in South America. FIFA ranks them number 15 worldwide. They've had the opposite bugaboo as their opponents today. They've been pretty good on offense, scoring over two per game, good for third best in the event. But the defense, they've been allowing more than two goals per match, and that has them down at number eight. They are 2-2-2 two, two, and two so far with a negative goal differential. Best all-around player that they've had going so far is Juan Cuadrado, a place for uh, Juventus over in Italy's Serie A. He is a defensive player right back. Not much of a tackler, but, boy, you can see why he plays some central midfield for them as well because he's got one of the best passing ratings for accuracy that I've ever seen, 91%. Just incredible. Their captain, also on defense, is their goalkeeper, also plays in Serie A for Napoli, though, 33 years old, well over 100 national team caps. Uh, this is a guy with a good resume as well. He spent the heart of his career with Nice over in France's League One, where he tends to run into a little bit of trouble. If and when he does, and it seems that's been happening, is he's always been critiqued for uh, being a little bit rash with his decisions. He comes out of his uh, comes off his line a lot. He's known as a sweeper keeper, tries to get the ball away, but that's led some to some inconsistent decision making. They are also co-captained by Rodamel Falcao, who is a uh, homegrown forward, 35 years old. He will be easy to spot because at his age, he will very much be staying uh, pretty close to the net on offense. He is known as a poacher, and he can do it with either foot almost equally well. So here's to hoping perhaps he gets a goal or two. In fact, it wouldn't be surprising because he is their national team's all-time number one leading scorer. In fact, he was considered one of the best offensive players in the world before an ACL injury that I want to say was in... 2012, I think just under a decade ago. Uh, longest stint in his career, he spent with Monaco over in France. So while Monaco is a super impressive now, when he was with them, that was when they were uh, uh, fighting for and winning some French League One titles. He just had his contract Uh, Terminated with Galatasaray over in Turkey Because he's been somewhat injury prone So all his focus can now go to this event Because he's a free agent effectively And to that end, there's a couple of rumors That he might be headed to uh, the MLS The most likely destination from everything I've read so far uh, Puts him possibly on the NYCFC roster I think LAFC myself is a little bit more likely Since they just... uh, Uh, Sold Diego Rossi But in any case uh, he could also end up in Liga MX and there are a couple of Qatari very good clubs Two of their top three that are also interested in him The team has had uh, Five World Cup appearances 2018 they made the round of 16 That was tied for the best they've ever done They just finished in third place in Copa America and to that end Their current form in that event they went 3-1 And 3 now they had a negative goal Differential 6-4 to 7 against But they most definitely got stronger and stronger as the event progressed.
1: Match number seven.
0: It seems like most weeks of late, we don't have Monday matches, but this time no rest for the weary after a busy 10 to tracking weekend. Our seventh match, more World Cup qualifying action, this time from the CAF. That's Africa's football confederation where all the teams that are remaining are divided into 10 groups of four. The winners will advance to the final qualification round. Those 10 teams Will pair off with uh, one another and the winners of those will advance to the World Cup. Very simple. No intercontinental playoff matches, no further qualifying rounds. Matchup we've chosen to look at, Uh, just for fun, I wanted to look at uh, whatever was the lowest-seeded team surviving. So we're going to get number 50 out of 54 in the CAF, Djibouti's men's national team. And they're going to be playing hosts, too, in a manner of speaking, because it's actually going to be at a neutral site. Number 29 in the federation, Niger, not to be confused with Nigeria, just in case. Both of these teams are going to have a hard time qualifying, to be perfectly honest. They're in the same group with Algeria, which is one of the absolute behemoths in Africa when it comes to men's national play. Now, the round one match that Djibouti played in They got to play in their home country, and I'm not sure of the why of this for some reason because it's not the case for any of the other matches that I've seen. But this match is going to be played in uh, Rabat, Morocco. In any case, let's talk about the team. What little I could find about them anyway, Djibouti's men's national team. They will actually have played Algeria between the time we're recording and the time that you hear this probably won't go well. They are known as the Red Sea Shoremen and are rated number 182 by FIFA. Now, they had to play last round, and they beat Eswatini, which used to be Swaziland, I believe, 2-1 to one and 0-0 to advance. So good on them for being able to get past somebody. Uh, it appears that the entire national team, including their recent call-ups, all play in Djibouti's leagues. They don't seem to export much of anyone, it seems like. Uh, in goal, key player to look for, Innocent Mboni Hankuyi, I'm probably butchering it, but that I couldn't find a pronunciation for that one online. In any case, he plays for A.S. Port, has 11 national team caps. Defender key man is going to be Doad Wace. He's got the most caps of anybody on the team. 31, he is their captain and plays for a very good team from that country that I'm familiar with, Arta Solar7. And he is the number two all-time most capped player in their country's history. Now, the most experienced forward that they have, that is Mahdi Hussein Mahaba. He's got 16 national team caps, has scored six goals for the teams in the past, and that actually makes him, I almost wonder if this is misinformation, but I found two sources, the team's all-time number one leading scorer. He plays with a team I'm a little bit less familiar with, makes me wonder if uh, there was a name change, AS Djibouti Telecom. As far as the team overall, they've made no World Cup since 1997. I'm not sure about before that because I didn't look into the nation's history when they were French-Somaliland, and they have also not ever qualified for the Afghan proper, which is the African National Championships. Now, they did get an international win in 2010 in World Cup qualifying. They beat their neighbor Somalia 1-0. Best of my knowledge, that's the only international win they've ever had. In any case, as far as in competition, because their recent form, their last two matches, and they're the only two they they've played this year, I believe. They lost one to nothing in their only game in the Arab World Cup, and then they beat, again, neighbors Somalia 1-0 in a friendly. Meanwhile, Niger, really cool mascot. They are known as the Menas, which is a type of African gazelle. Uh, if you're into such things, you may know this as the Dama Gazelle. They are rated just outside the top 100 by FIFA. They did not have to play in the first qualifying round since they were seated roughly in the top half of all the member nations in Africa. most experienced forward that they have is Musa Mazu. He is a striker, 33 years old, and plays for, of all teams, uh, or in all places, anyway, uh, Junas Esch, which is a very good team in the top flight of Luxembourg. I'm not 100% sure he's actually going to play. He's on their roster, best as I can see, but from something else I read, I thought he retired from international play in 2017. So we shall see. Maybe they just left him a roster spot because they didn't have anybody else to really fill it. They were just hoping he'd come back. In any case, he's got 54 national team caps under his belt, most on the team, and uh, he has scored 13 goals internationally over the course of his career. Other end of the field, in goal, another Musa. This is Musa Alzuma, 38-year-old veteran. And he plays for a uh, local top flight team, ASGNN. And in the midfielder, trying to make things tick is Ali Muhammad, 25 years old, plays for Baitar Jerusalem, 35 national team caps for him. Fun side note about him, Ali Muhammad, very understandably sounds like an Arab or perhaps a Muslim name. At Baitar Jerusalem, there is a fan support group called La Familia, and they were very loud about this guy. They If he was going to play in their league, they wanted him to change his name to something that it didn't sound uh, so Arab, but here's the thing, while he is uh, from you know, that part of the world, he's actually uh, not Muslim, nor is he Jewish, he's actually a Christian. So, anyway, there you have it for that. No World Cup appearances ever for Niger. They have made two AFCON appearances, 2012 and 2013, but they didn't win any games in either of those appearances. Their recent form, they have lost all three of their recent friendlies, and they went 0-1-1 in the last two uh, AFCON qualifying matches that they played. The one draw they had was against a fairly decent African team, Madagascar, that's been on the rise the last few years. They held them to a nil-nil draw. The issue is definitely offense for them, so it's going to be interesting to see. I feel like this game could go nil-nil or that both teams just might absolutely go scoring crazy. We shall have to see. Match number eight. Moving on to Tuesday for our next round of World Cup qualifying, we're headed over to Asia. The AFC World Cup qualifying is in the third round. They are down to just two groups of six. They are about to start off on a double round robin. By the time you hear this, they'll probably have each played one game. In any case, the top two teams from each group will automatically qualify to the World Cup. The number three finishers will face off in a fourth qualifying round. The winners of that will have earned a berth, sort of, or almost in the World Cup. They will have to win an intercontinental Playoff match The one that's so hard to say that we keep talking about In any case The matchup that I wanted to take a look at Was number 11 Syria Versus number 7 UAE One of them's really got to get three points Because this is the Group A is the tougher of the two groups But we haven't done our weekly food segment yet We not only learn about football, we like to learn about the world sort of through the lens of football. And I like to use this as an excuse to look up one of my favorite things, food or unique dishes. And a dish of the Levant, it's not just from Syria that I found and really want to share with you, is called shish. Barak, Uh, in some places, is simply considered Lebanese lamb dumplings. But regardless, they're also very popular in Syria, although they're traditionally baked in homes, and it's not something you can necessarily find in a lot of restaurants. Just sounds delicious, at least to me, because I am a fan of lamb. So basically what these are are uh, little tiny, uh, again, lamb dumplings but not like a traditional dumpling you would find most anywhere else in the world. These are going to be mixed or boiled with a really, really tangy Greek style yogurt. So you get interesting textures and really tangy, interesting flavors. In any case, give you an idea what this is going to taste like. For the filling, what you're going to want is ground lamb and then uh, garlic really, really finely minced uh, ground cumin, and then a paste called harissa, which has a lot of other ingredients than this, but some of the main ones that really give it its kick are a coriander, paprika, garlic, and uh, even chilies. And You're also good. I would leave this part (laughs) out myself, but it also says to double up on the cilantro. I'm not as big a cilantro fan. I would go with more of the coriander, I think. In any case, for the dough and the dressing, it's a fairly traditional dough, but one of the things you're going to do that's going to make it really interesting is you're going to add in a teaspoon of dried mint, But then you're going to offset that by adding a half teaspoon in a traditional recipe of um, Aleppo pepper, and that is the Syrian bit. Um, And then one cup of that really thick yogurt. If you're looking for a recipe on that or what name to look for in an international grocery store, you'll most likely find it under Lapina or, and I don't know if this is a brand name or just a common noun name, but Fage, F-A-G-E. And then you're going to mix in a full quarter cup of toasted pine nuts with your average recipe so to really give it another interesting texture so i won't go into the details of what exactly you're going to do to boil up that yogurt and make the dumplings but hopefully i've enticed you enough to perhaps google that up and learn for yourself how to make shish barak match number nine wednesday brings us a bit of a break from the World Cup qualifying matches We're headed back to Europe For Women's Champions League qualifying round action They're in the second round The second match of two-legged ties Are what's going on right now There will be 12 winners from this stage They will all qualify for the event proper The group stage There they are going to join Four teams uh, the uh f- Four champions from the four highest-seeded European leagues And that, that's where they'll start their knockout play and the match I picked just because it was really high scoring in the first leg is number 27 Bordeaux taking on number 3 the FL Wolfsburg. Now, Wolfsburg won the first leg three to two. So, it'd be really interesting to see if Bordeaux can hold up at home, maybe force us to penalty kicks, or even win it outright. It would be a real upset, to be perfectly honest. In any case, let's talk about the home challenges first. Bordeaux, they play in Division One Feminine in France, as you would imagine, which is the number one ranked league in all of Europe. Club's very young, founded in just 2015. The team last year, the new season's just getting started, uh, they finished number three. To be perfectly honest, they were miles behind PSG and Lyon. Uh, Those are the the two real powerhouses in France. In fact, I don't think that Bordeaux has much, if any, real international play history, to be perfectly honest. But they did have a really, really good league score. A gal that topped the league in that category category was uh, Kaja Shaw, but she joined Manchester city in June. So a gal that might have to help them pick up the slack on that on the assist leader board last year and capable of scoring. Katja, and I'm simply going to spell the last name because it's Dutch and I couldn't find anything on it. S-N-O-E-J-I-S. Uh, she is a Dutch striker who had one of the goals in the first leg of this two-legged tie. A uh, gal that really might have to stand on her head for the team to have much of any chance. Number three goalkeeper from last year, uh, Englishwoman Anna Morehouse. And while well, I don't know Almost anything about her whatsoever, except her position. We do have a USA connection. They've got a defender named Malia Berkeley. Uh, this team advanced, by the way, to this round by beating Slovakia out of Czechoslovakia two to one, and then uh, Christianstad, I want to say from Sweden three to one in the first in the round one mini tournament. Now Wolfsburg. They're used to doing a lot of winning They actually entered in at this round They are from the number two ranked UEFA league The Fraulein Bundesliga in Germany And they won this event in 2012 and 13 uh, They've won six league titles All of them since 2012, 2013 And they finished run, runners-up the other years uh, Last year in the league they finished in second place Behind the new power Bayern Munich uh, number 5 league scorer Just retired So where are they getting their offerings from? I had talked about her months ago uh, Jana Jakubvi, Hungarian uh, Second striker, 31 years old Decided to hang up the cleats I know one of the gals that is helping uh, Pick things up in that category Top 10 scorer from last year Ava Pajor, she is a striker from Poland 24 years old
1: And match number 10 We're done Finally
0: by which, Person Noob simply means that we are essentially done with our official 10 to track. Not to be forgotten, next we will do our three Superfund bonus matches. But first, it's back to CONCACAF for another United States Men's National Team match, World Cup qualifying. They're playing two this week. Now, the first one, we didn't actually do a real mini preview for... Either of the teams, we did the Noobstradamus segment instead Now this time we're actually going to talk about the game But since you can hear the USA team get talked about in virtually any podcast or any TV channel talking about soccer at all that you would find I tend to prefer more when the USA is involved to focus on the other team So let's learn a little bit about the Honduran national side Now First and foremost, you can catch this on Paramount Plus, 10.05 Eastern is going to be the kickoff. USA have had the best of it in recent games 6 1 and 2 record. Honduras, they are known as the Catrachos, which is a mispronunciation of a 19th century military leader, is who they're named after, who was Florencio Zatruch. Or I'm not sure if that's a hard or a soft C-H In any case, this is a guy who wanted to rise up And not only rule that country But all of Central America was his goal Obviously that didn't quite work out for him In any case, the national team currently is rated number 6 in CONCACAF Number 63 overall in the world by FIFA Key players to look for Minor Figueroa plays center back also for the Houston Dynamo. And he is the manager of this team. So talk about wearing multiple hats and he has been getting it done for them since 2003, nearly 175 national team caps spent the bulk of his career with a league one side over in England, Wigan athletic. That's the third level of professional football over there. Other guys to check out in the box score and to watch for that should be key to the game. Uh, their best forward is probably of late, a really young fella, Rigoberto Rivas. He plays for a Serie A B side over in Italy called Regina 1914, and he's just 23 years old. Now, in the central attacking midfielder row, you've got Alexander Lopez. He plays for Aluense, uh one of the real powers over in Costa Rica. He used to play for the Houston Dynamo. And then in goal with 33 national team caps and plays for uh, Real Espana there in Honduras is Luis Lopez American football fans have an outside chance of being familiar with him. He did have basically a couple of cups of coffee with LAFC on loan one time. And then with orange County at the USL championship level. And those were both in 2018. And then we do have a USA connection. Andy Nahar plays right back for them, and he currently plays for D.C. United as well. Spent the heart of his career with uh, Anderlecht, pretty good team over in Belgium's top flight. Their current form, they are 2-2 two two in their last four, and even goal differential at 7-4 and 7 against. And most recently, they lost, unashamedly, uh, to Mexico 3-0 in the Gold Cup quarterfinal. And now for the bonus matches. Every Monday or Tuesday, I put up polls on Twitter so that you can vote on the qualifying candidate matches for each of these three special mini previews. It's the main reason why this is my favorite part of the show. You have had a voice in what the content could be. Now, the first of these special matches is a first versus last place matchup that we like to call Person Noob the... Route, 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 route of,
1: of, of. Of the week, week,
0: week, week Thank you so much, daughter dearest And now I have to, now the fir- this match is going to be a Wednesday match And there was only one qualifying match in the entire world I didn't even have to put it up on Twitter But I wouldn't have anyway because I misnoted this originally The match we should be talking about is from Panama's top flight The LPF uh, Varaguas and San Francisco are the two worst teams in Panama So those of you who were hoping that we would talk about two really crappy teams from that part of the world Sorry Instead, I did something I've never had to do before And started scouting my source sites Just randomly looking for any professional, semi-professional, or high-end amateur league That was offering a first-versus-last-place matchup And just said to myself, noob self just take the first one you find no matter where it is. So, for the first time ever for we're headed outside both the United States and for a, I'm willing to do second or third level for the US. So, this is the first time I've covered a match that is going to be a second level match from outside the US. We're headed to Australia to Queensland specifically, the National Premier League for women there, which is a step below the W League. That is the top flight professional women's Australian league. Now, The Queensland portion of the NPL is just Queensland is just one of several States that all have a league at this level. I believe that the Queensland league or leagues only joined the NPL in 2015. I know that's when uh, the men's side joined in any case, they're about two thirds of the way through this league season. The top four teams are going to make the playoffs. Your matchup is number one, Queensland lions FC versus number eight, F-Q, not FC. I I double-checked it, F-Q-Q-A-S. Now, in fairness, F-Q-Q-A-S in eighth place, this is not an eight-team league. They just started their championship round, so there are 15 or 16 teams in this league. So the top half are going to play each other now while the bottom half do their thing. I don't know if they really call it a relegation round. I don't think there's any relegation. I know that there's no promotion out of this league. You can't get into the W League by winning this, but still, could be high drama. And, by the way, Queensland is the big state in the northeast part of the country, just to give you some geographical perspective and some perspective on how big a blowout this could be. Queensland won the first match 8-0. Woof. Well, a lion wouldn't go woof. Let's talk about the lions. Lion would go raw. Anyway, <laughs> animal noises. Um, lions FC, they lead Gold Coast United by six points right now on the table. They play out of Brisbane, Stadium holds about 5,000 people. Last year, they finished number B in the regular season, and then they won the playoffs. So they're looking to get a second straight title at the very least. And this year, <laughs> yeah, who's going to stop them? They're 15-1-0. Their goal differential. Uh, they win by an average of basically 6 to nothing. 95 goals for and 8 goals against. Just astounding. Uh, their current form, uh, as you would imagine, a lot of straight wins – 13 consecutive wins specifically, and they have only conceded two goals over that stretch. So their defense has actually gotten stronger. Okay, now let's talk about uh, QAS. They trail Sunshine Coast by seven points right now. That would move them up out of last place of the championship round. They're also a Brisbane-based team. Last year they finished in ninth place I get the feeling from what very little Admittedly information I could find That FQQAS are probably more or less happy Just to be in the championship round Their goal was to probably finish in the top half um, Because their offense Yeah, this is there's probably There's a big gap between the seventh and eighth best teams The seventh best offensive team in the championship round Scores literally twice as many goals as this team does. And they're not a whole lot better on defense. Uh, their current form, they are a 1-0-2 in their last three. The goal differential is just 1-4 and 10 against. My thoughts on this, well, the first one went 8-0, or rather 0-8, because uh, QAS was the home team. Now that they're on the road, I'm going to make a bold prediction and say this one goes to 9-0. Could, Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. could. You're it's so boring. <laughs> yeah. It's my belief that no other podcast covers matches quite like this particular. Our second bonus match, because well, virtually every podcast, including ours, will spend a lot of time talking about the very good teams from the very big leagues, or in our case, a lot of smaller. Uh, countries leagues from around the world And you might even sometimes be talking about The really, really poorly performing teams But what other show has the heart To shine a spotlight on two perfectly middling teams Equidistant from the glory That would be finishing at the top of their league High enough to get an international tournament berth Or low enough to either be last place Or Andor or relegated, kicked out of their top flight into a secondary division, perhaps never to be heard from again. Who knows? Yes, the most meaningless match in the world. And we didn't have to have a survey for this one either. There was only one candidate worldwide. And this time for the second week in a row, actually, although not for this particular bonus match, we are headed to... The DR, Dominican Republic's Liga Mayor, their top flight. It's rated number seven in CONCACAF, uh, just ahead of Jamaica, in my opinion. The top two teams after their last full season qualified for the Caribbean Club Championship. I am assuming the same will happen this year, but it's possible that it's only one. In any case, they have three sections or stages to this particular league's season. They have what I call the first phase of regular season, and then... The top six teams made the championship round. That is where they are now. They're right about halfway through. And interestingly, the points start completely over. All you've got to do is qualify, but then everything you've done from that point up to that point rather doesn't count. And then after they have played the championship round, the top four teams will go to a knockout Uh, Playoff system in any case Your matchup and it's meaningless In a sense and yet not meaningless in another Sense you'll see what I mean soon number five Vega Real versus number Four Mocha now the top Four teams do make The playoffs but I don't believe That that actually has to do with Who qualifies for the Caribbean club Championship that will be Based I believe on the overall or aggregate Record from the entire season in any case, here in the championship round, these two teams are tied at five points in the table. Uh, Vega-Real are ahead by three on goal differential. They trail, uh, usually a very good team, uh, Universidad uh, O&M by one, and then they lead last place Harabacoa by one. Mocha have had the better of things this season. They earned a nil-nil draw at home and then won nil-two when they went to Vega-Real last time, where they are again now. And let's talk about them. Uh, Vega Real plays out of the city of La Vega. It's the fourth biggest city in the country, sort of in the uh, uh, central, north-central part of the country. and It is the agricultural center of the country. Historical note, uh, Columbus built a fort here, and the purpose was very specifically uh, to guard the inland roads to uh, the Cibao region, where they were mining for gold at the time. Way back then, centuries ago, this was actually one of, if not the very most important uh, city and region in the entire Western Hemisphere because of the gold that they found there. Anyway, back to the footy. Last year, they went out in the playoff round quarterfinals. This year, in the first phase, the regular season, they just barely made it, finished in sixth place. Uh, Pretty good offense, top three. The problem was defense. They were only rated number six in that category, and it continues to be the reason that they can't get more success. They have given up uh, nine goals in the five matches that they've played in this round so far. Their current form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three with a 3 Full, uh, a three to eight goal differential. Meanwhile, Mocha, and by the way, happy half centennial to you, Mocha, turning 50 years old this year. Now, uh, the city of Mocha is uh, the capital of the Espyak province, it's only like the 10th biggest city in the country, might have 200,000 people. It's just a little bit further inland and I think a little bit to the east of La Vega. That's where, uh, it, again, in the Seabow the region. All of the commercial banking... Uh, takes place. Everything funnels through to this region. I wonder if that has anything to do with the gold that they found there years and years ago. Didn't happen to note that. But something else this city is famous for, it is nicknamed the Village of Heroes. In the Dominican Republic in modern times, they have brought down two different dictators. And both times there have been multiple key folks from this exact town uh, who have helped to uh, bring those dictators down. They're also excellent at football. In fact, historically so much so that their nickname is the House of Dominican Football. Kind of a cool nickname. Ten league titles to their credit, and that was just before they became uh, the league became known as Liga Mayor. In more recent years, when the name did change, they changed up a few other things as well. They have won three titles, although they haven't won one since 2014. They finished in third place in the first phase of regular season, top three offense, top two defense. The problem has continued to be offense. They have slipped even further. They've only scored four goals in five games here in the championship round. Their current form won one and one in their last three with four and four goal differential. And so now we truly come to the end of our podcast road for the week. As always, we don't like to finish things by celebrating a matchup of two more great teams. We've been spending the whole show doing that. Instead, we elect the Way of Pain, spotlighting two putrid clubs occupying the basement of their top-flight country's league. Worthy of all our shame and scorn, this is the match of... disappointment. Yes, there's the beginning of the scorn. And the match that you have selected, we actually did have to do a uh, Twitter poll for this one, comes from the top Sierra. That's the top women's league in Norway, which is ranked number 12 of all the women's associations there in Europe. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season. They'll get a couple of the teams in the Champions League, and these two will not get a sniff at that. One of them is going to get relegated from this league, and one team will have to fight for the Division I lives by competing in a relegation playoff with a second-place team from the second tier in Norwegian women's football. It'll probably be these two teams and they are. Number 10 in last place, Staubach versus number 9, Klepp. They've faced off once already this season, and we're just about as disappointed then as well. Klepp won the game 1-0. They've also had the better of it in the overall series lately with a 6-1-2 record. Here's how the table stands. a Staubach lead Klep by two, and then Klepp trail a club called Lynn Football, L-Y-N, by two points. So, uh, there's just enough season that these two could probably have some false hope But in my opinion, false hope it would truly be They're pretty bad Let's talk about the first one, Staubach They play out of an Oslo suburb called Berum Which is very, very affluent It's on the west coast of the uh, Oslo conglomerate It's uh, very, very swanky If you like your team's uh, sort of blue collar rough and tumble This is not the team for you Uh, This particular suburb actually just by itself Is the fifth biggest metro area in the country Just over, oh, 125,000 people Last year, I don't know if it was the first time ever But the first time in a very long time at the very least They were down in the second division They won that and got promoted back up And in fact, and this just highlights How disappointing they are now From 2009 through 2017 This club was always in the top four. What on earth has happened? They've even got two league titles, uh, 2010 and 2013. I believe they've been to the Champions League a total of three times. But this year, woof. One, two, and nine. Worst offense and second worst defense going. I hesitate to use the word, but the best all-around player they have going is Melissa Bayanisoy. She's an attacker with three goals so far, or in other words, pretty much Half the the team's damn offense Uh, Their current form, three straight Losses, the only win that they've earned was All the way back in mid-June Meanwhile, CLEP uh, They're in the western or southwestern Coastal area of the country It's very, very agricultural, lots of flat Open land there, and it's very uh, It's not densely populated at all It's a small area, only about 20,000 people In fact, they've got a men's team As well, but they play all the way down in the Fourth division Now Here's what I don't get. How has this team gotten so bad when their youth team is so good? They've got an under-19 team that is absolutely amazing. They've won four national titles just in this decade alone. Maybe they should be starting that team instead of the, uh, the, the crappy senior team that they've been putting out in the field in the top flight. And what's happened to them? What's going wrong? They had top four finishes between 2017 and 19. Uh, they've even got a league title to their credit, although admittedly that was back in 1987. Last year, the skid had already begun. They finished in seventh place. This year, 2-1-9 and nine on the year. Second worst offense in the league and the worst defense by a fair bit. They give up over two and a half goals per match. Team-leading scorer, Marie Jasmine Aladou D'Anjou. Four names, uh, one for each of the goals she scored on the season. Uh, She is a Canadian midfielder. And we have a USA connection, and I'm sure she would love to come back. Erin Greeny, she's a 24-year-old defender over there. She was with um, Orlando of the NWSL in 2019. And both to get back to a better team like the Orlando Pride and maybe just for a change back to a better climate, I'll bet she'd love to come back to Orlando. In any case, their form... This is just so strange. This team actually started out 2-0, and then they haven't managed to win a single game since, only one other draw. They just got a tie with Lynn Football. So who knows? Maybe they're finally going to turn it around. Yeah, I don't think so either. In any case, we never wish the match of disappointed clubs luck. It just doesn't seem appropriate. Instead, we will send them off in a fashion that they deserve. It was bad. It was awful. I was away. Hey, boo. Boo. Thank you for the dismal treatment they deserve, Statler and Waldorf. And guess what? That's a wrap on episode 47 of the show. Thank you very much to the management for all his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, my old website's former Interno Inferno, for his contributions. And to my daughter Personube for doing this with me. Always so fun and love you so much, honey. And to you listeners, I'm glad you found us. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And we hope that if you liked what you found, that you will share this with your soccer friends. We really strive to do something uh, that's unique, informational, a little bit of goofy, and hopefully lots of fun. Until hopefully we catch you next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.